Today's program was brought to you by Visible Inc., a free-of-charge writing program for cancer patients at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. For more information, visit mskcc.org slash visibleinc. Hi, this is Katie Kiefer from What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insights, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. This is Cynthia Cherish Malloran, Reverend DJ Cherish the Love, and you are listening to Primary Food on the Heritage Radio Network. Before I forget, let me tell you how to reach out to me and get my attention on social media, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, at DJ Cherish the Love, and that is love spelled L-U-V. You can hashtag using Primary Food, Heritage underscore Radio, or hashtag RevLove. So welcome to today's extra tasty episode of Primary Food. And what exactly is primary food? I learned this really great concept in nutrition school at IIN, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, that the food you eat, you know, the stuff we put in our mouths and chew and enjoy, like the pizza right in front of us here at Roberta's, we consider that secondary food. Primary food is everything else in life that nourishes us before we sit down and eat, and that's stuff like taking your dog for a walk, enjoying music, reading a book, hanging out with friends, watching some great stuff on Netflix like I did last night, cooking food, a great job, creative expression, playing games, exercise, you know, stuff like that that we take for granted nourishes us. And I'm so glad that I learned this because it was the high-quality primary food that I kept in my life while going through chemotherapy last year that kept me happy and swiftly healing my cancer. So Primary Food is produced by Heritage Radio Network, a nonprofit member-supported radio station devoted to all things food. Help keep HRN, Heritage Radio Network, alive by becoming a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Do it now, and I will love you forever. So today we're talking about service as our primary food, how being of service is nourishing for others as well as ourselves, and who better to talk about this than my guest here to my right, Chef Jonathan Forgash, founder of Care. Hey, Jonathan. Hello. So, Jonathan, Chef Jonathan, Chef Forgash, he's got the primary food and the secondary food down on lock. And you can check out his company and his site at Servana, S-E-R-V-A-N-A, care.com. Once again, com. So, Chef Jonathan, for over two decades, Chef Jonathan has provided catering for the biggest names in fashion, television, and film. And when an executive producer fell ill, he reached out to Jonathan for help during recovery, and it was a life-changing experience for him. Chef Jonathan's new company, Servana Care, provides in-home chef services to individuals and families coping with pregnancy, illness, and recovery. Uh, You know, that's really super dear to my heart, Jonathan. I do now. 
Yeah, so Jonathan and I recently met at Jimmy's number 43. Shout out to my Heritage Radio brother, Jimmy Carbone. Hey. Hey. Jonathan (laughs) and I were judges this past weekend for the Long Island Cheese Pumpkin Competition created by the Long Island Regional Seed Consortium this past weekend. Uh, Big shout out to Laura Luciano. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. So as it it turns out, we both care a lot about cancer patients, people recovering, and food. So tell us Mm -hmm. about your beautiful mission. So our mission is to take care of people, and not from a nutritional or dietitian point of view, but from a heartwarming, caring, compassionate place. Uh, Before I met you, I would say that food was important especially food that has emotional content, nourishing content, meaning food with memories and, Mm. and family and tradition or heritage. But when we met the other day, you were talking about primary food and how that's not food. That's the place where maybe the food or the spirit is coming from. And as a chef, I guess I am a secondary food person, right? Mm-hmm. But we use primary food as our inspiration Correct. for the foods that we cook. Yes. And so when I speak with clients or cook for people, we don't just ask about the diet or the illness they have, but we also want to know about their background and their family and the foods that made them feel good when they were younger. And those are the type of chefs we put in their home so there's a match. So tell us about the service itself. So you put you place chefs in the homes of people in need and describe who these people in need are because they're not just cancer patients. They're people who are recovering from something. Yeah, yeah. so uh, generally in New York, uh, let's just say you're very wealthy and you have a, a staff of a chef and a maid and a butler. Um, but most people don't have that. Most people, when they're going through something serious, they have a short-term need. And I found that that wasn't really being filled in New York. And so Servana Care is specific. We provide compassionate chefs in people's homes for short-term service. Two weeks, two months, six months. We take care of the patient, the caregiver, the family. It's a whole group dynamic. We're there for all of them to take some ease and some stress out of their lives And just, I mean, it's only food, but cooking for people and serving them and being there with them is a very important part of recovery, Mm -hmm. I feel. I have to agree with you, for sure. I think that to have something like this as an option for your support system and your healing system Mm -hmm. is really important. Why why do you see it as important? Um, Well, for me, it was the, the, the little story about how I got into this. Uh, Cooking on set and commercials and movies and and features, that's exciting. And it's very cool and fun. But being asked to actually come into someone's home and be with them, I I I wasn't shocked, but it just never occurred to me that my skills would be for anything more than cooking and having a business and making money. Hmm. Of course I cook for friends and family, you or anybody. And that's a nice loving experience, but 
doing this for a living, I feel so much better. My skills are being used for such a more important mission in life. And when I started looking for chefs to hire, I couldn't believe the avalanche of resumes we got. Chefs that were tired of the rat race, tired of the restaurant, the hours, not seeing their families, not seeing their children, not having quality of life. And the resumes all said the same. I'm tired of this. I want to do something better with my skills. I don't want to just work in a restaurant. I want to help somebody. Wow. And it, it's, it's a form of therapy. It's a form of art. These chefs are people who want to do something better. And there are people out there who really could use this help. So in some ways, I'm a placement service. In some ways, I'm a chef. And in some ways, I feel like a bit of a matchmaker. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's true. It's true. People want to be taken care of. And there are some people out there who are really good at taking care of people. Oh, that's so true. Mm -hmm. That's so very true. And you're one of them, obviously, because tell us what happened. What was the story when your executive producer fell ill? So I had known this, this person for a couple of television seasons. And I had done some, you know, parties. So he knew me. And I hadn't heard from him for a while. And I figured he went back to L.A. And I get a call one February that, uh, hey, man, um, I stayed in New York. I wasn't really telling anybody, but um, I stayed because I have stage four lymphoma. And I'm going through a stem cell transplant and I'm going to be quarantined at home for four months. Can you please take care of me? And I said, um, I'd like to, but I have a company that I'm running, as you know. And he said, well, okay, and we talked about it, and I realized I didn't have time for this, and I let it go. But in talking it over with my family, uh, my wife was tired of the catering hours, and I have an eight-year-old son who I wasn't seeing as much. And you know something? I've been doing this for a long time, and I always talk about if an opportunity presents itself, maybe it's, maybe it's time. Maybe you should at least say yes. So I called him back, and I said, um, I would love to be there for you and help you through this time. Hmm. And I started working with him, and, and you could see it. You could see the actual change. I was actually helping somebody smile and put weight on and going from this look of gray, his, his skin, I mean. And I realized in the face of him and the people around him that I was actually, I was helping another person just by just food. Really, what is that? That's, it's nothing. That's but it everything. really is everything. <laughs> it's everything. It is. And and it just struck me that, that you know, it, it was really a big moment. And I guess I was ready for the change. My family certainly was. So I closed the catering company. And it's taken a while, but we created Servana Care. And it's been very rewarding. Um, in many ways, it's so much easier than what I was doing before. But it's so much more powerful. You literally have people's lives in your hands. But really, you're just, you're, uh, it's, it's, it feels so good. It feels wonderful to see these mm -hmm. reactions in people. Um, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a nutritionist. But I, I am still doing something. And there's room for so many people to do something like that in this world. And I feel part of that change now. Do you feel like you're kind of uh, like therapy in a way 
for a lot of people because uh, you come in with a lot of, you, you just said you're not a doctor, nutritionist or therapist or so on, but you're kind of providing some kind of quasi. <laughs> okay. I, I, I am. I started doing lectures. I've done some lectures now for Leukemia Lymphoma Society. I did a lecture the other night at uh, Gilda's Club in downtown Manhattan. Mm. And I was told generally at these lectures, you know, it's serious. A lot of the people are either survivors, current patients, or caregivers. And this is a serious setting. You're going to give them information, maybe answer some questions. Well, what it really turned into was a bit of a group therapy session. Mm. Just like when you have people over your home, people just want to sit around the kitchen table, talk food, get ideas for recipes. There was really no talk of the specific cancer or the horror or the illness. It was just people looking for other ideas, maybe getting a chef's outside the box thinking. And then something happened. And we were at this 300 person blood cancer conference in New Jersey. It was very serious. A lot of doctors, a lot of, a lot of, pharmaceutical companies, but someone asked a question and somebody across the aisle from them had a suggestion for something that worked for him. And then I sort of just sort of stood back and people started turning to each other and helping each other. And I found out that this was very unusual, Wow. which I don't know why, because I'm not the expert. I don't have cancer, but here are people who have dealt with it or cared for others who better to advise a fellow patient than a cancer survivor? So in many ways, I feel like a facilitator in a group therapy or a self-help type environment. All coming from food. All coming from food. <laughs> and so now, just by it. sharing of my ex experience or my passion for the topic, um, I'm, 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 I feel like I'm helping more people with my words and just being in a space with people than just cutting food at a cutting board and cooking in someone's kitchen. Right. Wow. And it's, uh, it's very powerful and it's very rewarding. And you know that simply because we start, we, I start every lecture with a visualization to help people focus on my vision of where my food comes from. Mm. And you see people smiling and people having really nice memories and sharing them with other people. So, are we at a cancer conference talking about near-death experience or are we just with a room full of amazing people who need some extra advice and who really want to connect and share themselves? That's so beautiful. What, what is the visualization like? you want to walk us through one of them? Um, I can do a shorter version. Yeah. All right. So um, wherever you are, I want you to uh, close your eyes if you can or if you're in a public space, just... Just sort of get comfortable in your chair or your car seat. And I want you to just relax and listen to my voice and just breathe. Everything we're going to talk about is no new technology. Take some deep breaths and get comfortable. And feel the space around you in your comfortable chair. And when you're ready, I want you to think back to when you were a child. And maybe you were home from school sick, or is it bad winter day and you had a cold and your mom or your dad, or maybe your aunt or grandmother was in the kitchen cooking for you, just like they've always done when someone's been sick. And now you're at the kitchen table and there's that big, warm bowl of whatever that dish is and take another deep breath 
And I want you to think about what that food was that your family was serving to you to feel better. Something that you knew you would eat and you would feel better, not just because your mom was cooking for you, but because this is what works in your family. And savor that dish, taste it, really wrap your head around it and enjoy the moment right now. This is your relaxation. So come back to me now, the radio station, in your home, wherever you are, and hold on to that dish. And at this point, I'm looking around the lecture hall, and there's 50, 80, 100 people, and some are a little uncomfortable, but many are smiling for the first time at an all-day blood cancer conference. And they'll say, okay, um, would someone like to throw out a dish they had? And I'll say, I'll start. I'm a Jewish boy from New York, and I remember chicken soup. Sometimes my mom would make fresh challah bread. And those things made me feel better. And now people start slowly but surely, you know, uh, uh, Filipino kanji or Korean this or Italian minestrone soup, whatever it is. And you can see people are starting to wake up and they're now they're getting involved. And I'll say, perfect. Everyone stop. And I want you to think about something. No one used the words macrobiotic, holistic, mm. natural path, vegan, any of those modern buzzwords that nutritionists and dietitians like to use. And I'll say, see that? So you're coming home from the hospital. You've got cancer. You've got your radiation and your chemo treatments coming up. And they probably gave you a stack of nutritional information as well as the diet. Maybe you're on the low microbial diet for your first 100 days of stem cell transplant recovery. You have enough to worry about. If they sent you home, you're well enough to be at home enjoying your space. Let them take care of you with the medicine and the chemo and the radiation. But in your home and your food, you already know the food to be making. There's nothing hard about it. You know, if you start from the place of that minestrone soup, pasta visual, chicken noodle soup, use those memories to guide you in the foods that make you feel good. Don't worry so much about the nutrition. If you're using fresh ingredients, bright colored produce, um, just rice, pasta, nothing processed, you are going to be getting all of the nutrients you need, but you're going to be eating food that you really enjoy and that means something to you, which has powerful emotional content or primary food content, which is now one of my new favorite terms. So thank you. <laughs> um, that's the gist of it. It's the, I'm not teaching you anything new. I'm sort of reminding people what we already know deep down works well for us. That is so beautiful. Thank you. <clears throat> the two times of my life that I've gone vegetarian and vegan. Yeah. The things that, the one dish that brought me back into omnivory, omnivore, what the word is, becoming an omnivore is my mom's Filipino, quote, kanji oh. dish. Um, and there's chicken in it. I was vegetarian for seven or eight years through college and high school. And I was sick one day and I just went to my mom's home and I was like, make me that. That was it. it what was made you, what made that come up for you to have something with meat in it? No, it wasn't about something that had meat in it. It was my mom's dish. Got it. That and even, you know, she's in her mid seventies now. And I just had it this past weekend. It tastes exactly the same as when I had it when I was like six years old. Yeah. 
it's Memories one of, are important. Oh, it's one of the it's one of the steady things that I can always rely on. I even had her write down when my mom was sick and she was going for a surgery, she had a stroke and and all this stuff. One of the things I made her do for me was write down that recipe. Good for you. And then I thought, oh, my God, that must mean I think she's going to die. And I was like, oh, let's not go there. But then I had her record it down for me. And, you know, she's still around, of course. But it's amazing that food has that grasp on us. And why is that? You are a chef. You're around food all the time. Why does food have such an emotional hold in us? I I, I don't know. I mean, they say the sense of smell is a very powerful memory. So I assume taste, which is associated with smell. But honestly, we've been doing it since we're babies in our family's arms. Maybe that has something to do with it. I mean, I'm a chef, so I remember everything. Every dish I had, every great dish, what was in it and why. But I assume we all have this tradition of food in our lives. And once again, it's not something new to learn. We already have it within us. There's nothing special here. I think that's so that's so true. Like I definitely see the emotional content in food. Mm-hmm. It was something I didn't see when I was younger. And I would instead let's see, what were my reasons for choosing food? Price. Maybe it was cheap enough, you know, things like that. Nowadays I am more interested in getting something that I connect with that I know will be great when I eat it. Even if I spend a buck more or so, it, it is so important to do that and that's a message i'd like to put out there because going through treatment you know people would say things like you know you can get this you don't have to buy that it's just much cheaper but i said i'm resonating with this for some reason Mm -hmm. so i should listen to that at the very least at this time you know you should listen to it Uh, a woman in one of my lectures said how do you feel about soda and i think she was waiting for me to sort of talk down to her or disagree uh-huh. And I said, well, what is it for? She said, well, it's for my daughter's nausea. And I said, listen, if ginger ale is making your daughter feel well while she's undergoing treatment for cancer, buy her a six-pack, for God's sakes. It's helping her. So the rules are different for everybody. And if mm-hmm. a little treat or a little snack helps you, God bless you. You do what feels right. You know yourself best. Yeah, that's so true. So we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about Savannah and their mission. Cancer diagnosis can leave you feeling anxious, depressed, and vulnerable. Visible Inc., a writing program at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, offers patients the chance to work on a writing project of their choice with individual support from an experienced writing mentor. Our goal is to reduce stress and give voice to your story, poem, blog, or memoir. Visible Inc. publishes an annual anthology of works by participants and stages a live performance of selected writing featuring Broadway entertainers. The program is free of charge to Memorial Sloan Kettering patients and is fully supported through grants and donations. 
If you're a Memorial Sloan Kettering patient, a potential volunteer, mentor, or someone who would like to support Visible Inc., please visit our website at mskcc.org slash Visible Inc. Welcome back, and I am sitting here with Chef Jonathan Forgash. Hello. Founder of Servana, and we're going to talk about, you know, more about your mission. So Servana doesn't only cater to people who are experiencing cancer, um, recovering from that, but also women who just had a baby uh, or someone who's going through stress. Tell us more about your other clientele. That's right. So... um when setting up this business, you got some calls, but you also thought about who else needs short-term care. Mm-hmm. So uh, prenatal families, maybe the wife is on bed rest, the mom needs some extra help, because I'm sure there's also maybe a spouse and maybe some other kids. So we can send a chef in. And once again, I had mentioned that we like to match people up. So you might not necessarily need me or want me in your home, but maybe a man or woman who is a chef, took time off to raise a child, and now they're back in the workforce, that is the perfect person to take care of a prenatal or postpartum mother and family. Oh, explain that. That's very interesting. All right. So it started popping up with some of our resumes, and I started seeing a number of women. I used to be a chef, and um, I had a couple of kids, and now they're in third and fourth grade, and I want to get back to chefing part-time, make some more money. And... I'm looking at these resumes and I'm realizing here's a professional chef. So they know the rules. They know how to think, they know how to operate, but they have this incredible skill set of being a mom. They've been through breastfeeding. They've been through a little bit of extra dietary care that they know instinctively that the mother will need. And so when, so when a client comes to us, we do an intake with them. The intake isn't just medical. It's also you know, why are we here? Is it because for you or for the whole family and your children? Um, where are you from? Filipino background? Great. Would you like us to find a woman chef who has maternity experience with a Filipino background to make those foods? Do you want something, someone who's chattier or maybe someone older who'll just do it? Oh, wow. I love this intake. <laughs> well, you're having somebody in your home. Right. Okay. You know, yeah. um, someone jokingly referred to it as the Tinder of home health care the other day. <laughs> But uh, we don't we don't say that on the website. But uh, it's true. You really, someone is going to be in your home during a very personal, serious, possible life threatening time. Right. You don't want just a worker. You want someone that you can relate to, or at the very least, is will understand where you are coming from, so they can properly care for you. Do you find that the chefs and the clients have become friends and? Have bonded that way as well? I don't know. Some of them have been short-term. Also, we haven't been around all that long. So this is a continual growing process for all of us. But in general, the response has been very nice. Um, everyone just seems to get it. Right. And, and so that's a sign of success and that we're on the right path. I would love to hear some of your success stories and clients' you know, feedback. Tell us about that. Um, well, you can't talk about everybody because a lot of it is private. But in general, you just you just you you can see it. You're there with them yeah. um, one to five times a week, so you see their growth and you see their change and you see their setbacks. Unfortunately, um, but in general, you get the sense that you are doing good from a very simple 
pure place. And it resonates. Um, I, I just <laughs> I seem to be drawing a blank right now. No, that's fine. I, I wanted to ask you, actually, what was your... What was your career beforehand? Did you do care work before? You were catering. I was catering. No, uh, catering on a film set. The only care was uh, <laughs> on time, early, hot, ready to go, give people a break in the middle of their day. But um, I come from a rather hippie background, uh, Long Island and New York City. My mom was a bit of a hippie and a school teacher and always cooked crazy foods and made her own granola and whatnot. And my dad is, was a chiropractor, a bit of a nutritionist. So I come from this very holistic, warm sort of space. When my brother and I were young, we had some family members with cancer. And I remember in the early seventies, probably being four five, six, seven, eight years old, doing group meditations to, uh, you know, visualize my, you know, uncle Phil, recovering from his illness, from his cancer. And so that was a very strong part of my upbringing. Um, I really wasn't like that. As I got older, I sort of rebelled from all of that. Um, my mother is now a therapist and she deals with people day in and day out, helping them, talking with them. My father in his office as a chiropractor, very hands-on approach, but still very connected to helping people. And I guess I realized as I've gotten older and I'm 49 now, that, you know, something is true. You really are your parents, mm. their best and I guess worst parts. So now I find that even though I am just a chef, I feel a bit of a therapist and I enjoy talking with people and helping them through these problems. These lectures have been uh, life changing for me as well, even more than the cooking. This is this is something that I really cherish and I want to do more of. And I could see that people People just want to talk and share themselves and maybe learn something along the way. And food is an amazing medium for that. Food is a healer. Food is a healer and no it doubt. brings people together. And, and talking about emotional content, if you get this idea, we're not just talking about my Jewish cooking from New York and my grandmother's Russian, Hungarian, or Austrian cooking. No, we're getting the fact that if you say to me, hey, Jonathan, do you want to come over tonight to my mom's house? She's making Filipino whatever. Damn, yeah. yeah, I'm coming <laughs> over there. A, a lot of us joke, you know, chefs will talk, do you want to go to an amazing four-star restaurant for a meal? Or do you want to come to my auntie's house for ah. this, like, Puerto Rican pernil and pasteles and rice and beans? Like, you know something? No, I'm going to your auntie's aunt's house, house. yeah, yeah. <laughs> for Sunday after church dinner because that is the more meaningful meal. That meal is going to have so much more going on. That's really beautiful. The idea of meaningful meals. Let's talk about that. All right. Sitting down with people and having a meaningful meal. So for me, that is when we have company at our house, I always ask, um, any allergies, anything I should know? I mean, it's my job. So I might as well do it for my friends. And so I imagine that people already feel maybe a little bit more taken care of. And they, they already know they're coming to a chef's house. But when people come to my house, I really try to think about the guest and, you know, what would make them happy? Maybe like a little tweak. So, of course, I like to cook the foods that have emotional content for me. I spend some time cooking in Italy. And for me, Italian food is really resonates. I, I guess deep down, I wish I was Italian <laughs> um, or Italian Jewish or something. Because 
to me, that kind of cooking is the epitome of, of hearty, family-based, simple, delicious foods. And so when I serve that meal, if I serve you a fall meal tonight of some Italian Tuscan whatever menu. Which you can. Which I totally were doing that tonight. <laughs> you should come over. That that makes me happy. It makes me happy cooking it for you. It makes me happy when people come in the house and you can see the look on their face from the smells. You are connecting with people. And that totally gets me jazzed up and excited. I love that. I mean, it sounds cool. like you found your calling. I have totally found my calling. I can't believe I can't believe how it came about. And I am so I'm so grateful that a person with an illness called me for such an important personal thing. It it has changed everything. Mm. Maybe it's my age a little bit. Maybe it's having a family or maybe it's just the way life works. And which I believe that everything happens for a reason. Opportunities pop up. If you say yes or you're open to it, you have no idea where things might lead you. I try to teach this to my son. Um, because of that, I try to keep aware of it for myself, which I think helped me say yes in this situation. Just just even how you and I met the other day. You know, we showed up for this judging, and we didn't know each other, and I saw you sitting in the corner, and for whatever reason, I sat down, and we just started talking, and we just started sharing ourselves. Why? Who knows? Food brought us together. Food brought it's us the, together. Again, it's with the food. This cheese but, pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere I go... I mean, unfortunately, everybody knows somebody with cancer or an illness. And of course, everyone wants to talk food. So you do have those things. But I've been finding the more I get into this, the more connected I've become with so many other interesting people who are on the same path. Like you. What do you think it was about you personally that the executive producer said, I need you? Um, I secretly think it's that I guess I pegged him as somehow he could have been a father, uncle, somehow related like that, because I don't know what the conversations were, but I started bringing to film set for lunches, uh, rugula, chocolate babka, black and white cookies, because I, my baker makes the very best rugula and black and white cookies in New York City. And uh, by the way, that would be Laylee's Cafe in Astoria. Shout out to Astoria. Amazing family. Great product. Um, So I guess we connected over that. And maybe that's what it was. Maybe it's stuck in his head. You know, I mean, yeah. People have memories associated with the food and people that that stick. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I know where my best meals were and I know who served them to me. I remember the waiter or the chef or the mom or the dad, because those things are important to me. It's such a beautiful thing what you're doing, SurvannahCares.com. Thank you. Uh, If you know someone who is in need of this type of care, please check out the website. Tell us where people can find you. Tell us, uh, you know, your URL. Tell us how else they can reach out to you. So SurvannahCare.com, S-E-R-V-A-N-A-C-A-R-E.com, 212-804-8322. Right now, we are primarily in the New York City, Westchester, some Long Island, New Jersey area. Um, But really, give us a call, and we can find a chef that works for you in your area. 
um, we take care of everything and we come in your home and we take care of everybody. Soup to nuts. Leave it up to us. And if you have a question, just call. We'd love to talk with you. Sometimes it's just about sharing information and maybe you just don't need our services. But that's my pleasure. So unfortunately, what makes your business sustainable is that people are ill. Yes. At least you can be there for them. Yes. And in a beautiful way. And I really appreciate and and adore you for that. Thank you so much. Uh, What are your favorite things you like to cook for yourself and your family? Things that bring that good feeling. You know, if you, if I was doing the visualization with you, what, what are your dishes? Okay. So right now we're in the fall and it's my favorite time to cook, um, because you can cook a little heavier and a little warmer and more one pot dishes. But, uh, so right now a friend, um, is a farmer in Connecticut mm-hmm. and he had some amazing heritage breed, uh, pigs that were just slaughtered. So I picked up some pork belly and some, uh, butt and I may, I've been making a bunch of dishes, but in particular, I'm trying for the first time curing. So I have this beautiful uh, Tamworth Berkshire pork belly, and it is in the fridge curing with fennel and peppercorn. And I'm going to go for this uh, this uh, Tuscan fennel cured meat product. And I'm doing another one with chorizo with smoked paprika. So right now I'm into all of these very... Uh, autumnal flavors and spices. I think this is what you call feel-good family dishes. Food porn, whatever <laughs> Food you want porn to call comfort it. Comfort dishes. Yeah. So, because um, yeah. you you were saying that you know some people say that laughter is the best medicine. I but... say food is the best medicine because um, laughing is great and it, absolutely it's a great medicine. But food is better because food isn't just putting bits of nutrients into your body. You're putting memories into your body. You're putting sustenance into your body. You're putting good feelings, and you're usually doing it with other people. Yes, you laugh with other people too, but food covers so much of the spectrum of your history, your heritage, your youth, your family. The best memories of your mom and dad for most people are being fed by them or doing something with them or a family table experience. Would you say that that's your style of cooking family group? Yes. So, um, when I I was in the film business, I started off thinking, ah, these people, the celebrities and the models, it has to be fancy. And I tried cooking fancy food and it's not me. It, it just isn't. I mean, you, you can see me. I'm not that kind of guy. What's fancy food? Quote, quote. So fancy (laughs) food would be Parisian or nouveau cuisine where I would rather cook, um, uh, Provencal country style dishes or, Tuscan style dishes or food from Sicily. So um, hungry. <laughs> yeah. Some, so the rule of, for me is everything should taste like it originated at some grandmother's kitchen somewhere in the world. Now, what I am known for is tweaking it because I'm not Italian, so I don't have to stick with those recipes. I can play with my food because I'm a chef and that's my job. But everything, though, still has this sense of, hey, man, that reminds me of my grandmother's dish from Forenza. I'd be like, oh, that's funny. That's where that dish came from, you know, because oh. I cooked there. Uh-huh. So when people say they can relate to a dish from their heritage, to me, that's a compliment. Sure. And that, anyway, so that's where I come from. Everything should taste like a bit of home from somewhere. And what would you like to see change in the food industry? Do you try to source your ingredients as local as possible and... Are you... Okay, no. Okay. <laughs> so here's my problem with that. 
Um, first of all, in film world, really tight budgets. You might not believe it, but really tight budgets. So well, his, this is a real talk right here. Oh, yeah, th- yeah. yeah. So you're, you know, you're cooking out of like Restaurant Depot, Costco, Cisco, because you have to make... It'd be great if I can serve Berkshire pork to a film set and organic vegetables, but it's not happening. So my job is to take whatever I have at hand that, of course, is clean and turn it into something amazing. That's the skill of a chef. Jacques Pepin, one of his best dishes is a Cuban black bean soup, making something some, making something special from regular ingredients. So I would tell you, if you are new to cooking, don't do farm to table. Don't do organic. It, and what do you do if you can't afford it? You're just going to give up. Right. So you don't hit people over the head with these big lofty goals. The fact that you are now cooking dinner instead of just eating at Boston Market and McDonald's or Burger King. Is already. You are already so far above because you know why? You're cooking for yourself and others. Huge points for that. You're making something from scratch. And so what? If you can't cook organic, you shouldn't cook? No, that's ridiculous. And that's arrogant. And that's pompous. The art of cooking is the art of taking regular food and making something for others and yourself. That's nourishing and amazing. So no, I don't believe in farm to table. I don't believe in sustained or local vor because what are you eating in February in New York City that's local vor? You know, old potatoes? No, of course there's more to that and that's not an actual correct answer. Mm-hmm. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I do understand. People just start with what you have. Start with your local market. Just start cooking. And guess what? Once you learn to enjoy cooking, Come back, and now we can talk about seasonal ingredients, footprint, carbon, you know, petroleum going into agriculture. But for now, cooking is really just about eating and being happy. Everything else is politics and lofty goals after that. And that's where I come from. It's been amazing to talk with you, Jonathan. Uh, you. I'm so grateful that you came on today and that we could share Servana's mission which is Servana's mission is your well-being. So yes. if you are a recovering patient trying to regain health or you're an expecting or new mother who needs support at the house for your meals and more, Servana's chefs plan delicious, comforting meals in accordance with your specific dietary needs that support the healing process and are enjoyed by everyone. So Servana specializes in the art of care, thoughtfully arranged and beautiful presented. Uh, thank you so much for coming. And, um, thank you. Again, SurvanaCare.com, Chef Jonathan Forgash. Please check him out. Thank you for listening to Primary Food. Primary Food is produced by Heritage Radio Network, a nonprofit member-supported radio station devoted to all things food. Help keep HRN alive by becoming a member today. So go to HeritageRadioNetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate if you enjoyed this program. Do it now. Thank you so much. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.